water, earth, fire, air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. A production by the Novice Latest Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. Podcast about all things Avatar. Here we are, returning fairly quickly to uh, kind of continuing this little duology of the uh, being in the desert. Yes, we have the library first, and yeah, now the the titular uh, the desert. So <laughs> yeah, we have to deal with the consequences from the last episode of not all of them can fly. <laughs> Oh, yes. Yep. That's very, yeah, it makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be very different if that professor was trekking through them along with this episode. Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> yeah. And they also don't talk about that. I realize yeah. like they just did, maybe they do discuss amongst themselves like off screen, but like, yeah, they're just like he went in there. Like he's now trapped in the spirit world. Again, more important yeah. things yeah. than that. But like, yeah, don't just talk about how a human is now like in the spirit realm. Oh, but before we get into the episode proper, I'll just mention uh, this one was written by Tim Hedrick and directed by the old, uh, very uh, prolific in this series, uh, Lauren McMullen, back once again. So, Both working people. Yeah, did you want to uh, give us this, this summary here today? I mean, outside of the episode, I, I don't mind reading it if you, I mean, it is really long, this one. <laughs> I feel bad how long it is. Let's go. Yeah, the summary. Continuing directly after our previous episode, Angus transformed his sadness into rage, still ruling after the theft of his beloved air bison. And in a tear of agitation, he takes off to the skies to search on his own for his lost friend. Over on the other side of the episodes, we pop in with our favorite pair of firebending buds, Iroh and Zuko. Still living life rough, the two find themselves encountering a gang that we've seen once before, the Rough Rhinos. Iroh seems quite familiar with the group, calling the members by name, to escape and head to a nearby town. The gang, excluding Aang, find themselves exhausted as they traverse the open desert. Sokka being Sokka consumes the first thing he can find, the juice of a desert cactus. This doesn't go so well, and Sokka seems to get a little, let's say, lost in a cactus haze, and remains that way for most of the episode. But continuing the trend this episode has set so far, we see another familiar set of foes. Both Jin Fu and Master Yu return after the blind bandit and arrive at the Misty Palms Oasis, a location the gang had visited in the previous episode. They don't find much to go on in their continuing search for the young Miss Bay Fong, but they do see some wanted posters on Zuko and Iroh, which, as bad luck would have it, happens to be right as Iroh and his nephew wander into the town. But back in the desert, things are getting dire for our four pals plus Momo. Thirst, hunger, heat, and depression have left them very weak. Katara tries her best to take the lead and uses a 
star map that Sokka had stolen from the Wong Shitong library. The group stumble upon a, an abandoned sand glider and work together to get it moving again. Taking to the sandy skies, they follow the compass on the glider that leads them to the magnetic center of the desert, which is a giant rock that turns out to be the hive for buzzard wasps. Mobile gets grabbed by one, and Aang goes off to save him, seemingly killing one of the buzzards in the effort. But after the chase is resolved, the group finally find a group of sandbenders. One of the members of the tribe turns out to be the air bison thief, but in his fight to have Appa returned, Aang attacks the villagers and Moss. Aang's rage is so consuming he succumbs to the Avatar state. Katara manages to calm his anger, but he's weeping as it turns out Appa has already been sold. But back with the Zuko plot, Fu and Yu bide their time by spying on our firebending pair, but at the same time, Iroh spies a representative of a secret order he's a member of. He goes over and begins a pie show game with the man using a white lotus tile as his opening gambit. They play the game and while doing so, relay a code that signifies Iroh as a high-ranking member. And at the end, the man proves his allegiance with them by helping the two escape the attack of the earthbending bounty hunters. Zuko remains mystified by his uncle's association with the mysterious group, and Iroh eventually leaves him to enter a members-only area. When he returns, he declares that they're going to the city of Ba Sing Se, the same place where Appa was supposedly sold by the sandbending traitor. Will Zuko learn more about this White Lotus group in their trip to Bossing Say, And will the Avatar be reunited with his best friend, Flying Chauffeur? Find out in the next episode of Bending the Elements. But for now, listen to us as we discuss the desert. The desert. Absolutely. As opposed to dessert. But I guess people can watch this with dessert. Yeah, we, we can discuss that after the episode. Yeah, that's, that's what we're okay. supposed to have. Uh, I don't know what dessert's going to be for tonight. Maybe it's desert-themed or whatever things you can find in said desert. Cactus juice. Here we go. Always cactus juice. <laughs> oh, but if you're at the old timestamp zero and you're uh, illegally or legally purchased copy. Hey, there you go. Physically or digitally. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, we'll hit play in, in three, two, one, play. <sighs> see somebody's kicking things and flying around and there we go i don't know if they're flying around i, well, I guess the bear bender's flying around i don't know really yeah. I don't freaking know uh i don't know where they where the desert is on the on the map by the way in the start i don't know mm. if it's south of bossing say or east west west <laughs> i could not tell you nor where the swamp is i assume it's probably where the green part is i couldn't even tell you I have to have a look at that map again. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't notice it. It's not always like you can't see the Grand Canyon from like all maps. Whistler Sun of of like planet Earth. Yes, we open this episode with Aang pretty, uh, pretty angry at Toph. I mean, he's misdirecting his anger. He doesn't really want to hear sense. And poor Toph is just kind of she's trying to defend herself, but kind of weakly. Well, as I was saying before in the previous episode, I think she's completely in the right, or at least justified in what happened. Like, she literally was caught between a rock and a hard place of, like, rock, keep the thing from, keep the entire library from collapsing into the sand. Mm -hmm. Or the hard place, fighting blindly in uh, a sand region against sandbenders to help op out. So, she's completely justified in my opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not even Aang's fault. He's just kind of grieving. 
But I think both the actors do a good job during that exchange. Oh my goodness, yes they do. Yeah, I feel real bad for Toph. <laughs> you can seriously see that Aang's going on the offensive here. Why wasn't that? He should have should have done that. No, that's terrible. Just like say that Aang was that that Appa was was captured or something, and then he goes on the offensive to like bring out his earthbending abilities. And no, I'm just kidding. That's not what you should do. Oh yeah, I guess with the sand, it wouldn't really make sense. But no, of course not. But I like how even uh, Sokka is just like, he's like, oh, we're never going to get out of here. Like, he's given up already, too. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, all of a sudden, like, your whole way of, your, your whole, like, means of transportation for the past season and a half um, is gone now. You, back to the old wandering, walking the earth. Yeah, that's why I put a best friend slash flying chauffeur because for Aang, it's the best friend. But for all then, they're, they're just like, oh, man, our ride's gone. We're stranded here, yo. That really <laughs> feels bad. That that really says something about Appa. If he's just a chauffeur, it's like, <laughs> that's pretty one dimensional and a poorly written character. If that's the case, if you can just distill it down to that, might as well just well, make like, you know, they might as well just bring Chitty Chitty Bang Bang out here. Uh, <laughs> I just mean for them. Because, yeah, they don't even seem particularly sad that Appa's gone. They're more worried about themselves. Oh, uh, yeah. That's it's... why he gets so mad and, and just decides to leave them. He can't even stomach that. Uh, no, exactly. It's like, oh, we're screwed. And, yeah, they're nothing. But, again, I think both groups are on the right uh, for at least being, you know, because, yeah, they're in a desert where they're going to get cooked like bacon and eggs. So, yeah, that's understandable. But at the same time, a character and a friend of theirs is gone. So. Yeah, and I like um, that in the previous episode, they kind of gave Sokka a chance to look good by using his, his smarts and using his typical paranoia to try to f- naturally work towards uh, a goal. And for this one, it's Katara's kind of caring ways. She knows that they're the only ones who have this information about the solar eclipse. And so even if like this, they got to do what they can to survive just to pass that information on to the, uh, the Earth Nation troops. Not even that, but we also just see the fact that we're going to see her be a more motherly character in trying to get them all out alive and to still continue to exist because they want to not die. Yeah, yeah. Well, but that's the first thing she mentions about them when she uh, guides them away. And poor Toph, just, she's still looking sad. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, she probably is just feeling awful right now because, and in a dire st- spot where, like, she can't see anything. So she is effectively blind. And obviously the voices of Aang uh, and what he was yelling her about probably are getting to her. I don't know if they're getting to her, but she's... Yeah, it's certainly... You could say it's revenge, not but she's certainly getting her comeuppance for acting like a rotten teacher this mm, bit of two mm. episodes ago. Yeah, they're, they're, that's what you get. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, but speaking of a teacher not doing so great... Um... We cut over to our other side of the episode with our buddies, yeah, Zuko and Iroh. Missing in action the last episode, eh? Yeah. Yeah, and Iroh, he's looking pretty beat up after, uh, I guess he's still recovering from the Azula uh, assault. Which we also haven't seen her in a while. Very yeah. different from Zuko, uh, more like Zhao, where we see little of her. Uh, I think more so, th- we see more of her than Zhao, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so Zuko, how did... What happened after the lightning bolt uh, test or incident? Not incident, but what happened with that? Like, you just came down the mountain and then, like... Yeah. He just tells Iroh, yeah, it didn't work. (laughs) 
or they didn't even say he didn't even say anything yeah. inside the tent or their their camp and i just knew exactly what was happening yeah they shared a, a knowing look and yeah zuko that just went and cried for the night yeah. or just you know went to bed in a bad mood as he usually is in. <laughs> um oh, by the way like at like i don't know in like oh two forty five, you could sort of see cactuses in the background yeah just set up i don't know or just they're in the background that's kind of funny yeah, and we even cut to Zuko and I. We cut on directly onto one of those cactuses. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, set up anyway, which means that it's in the region. That's that's funny, but yeah, but uh, Iroh he's just too beat up riding the ostrich horse, and they need to take a little break because he's he's grown in and grumbling. But it's fun. Almost immediately after they take their break, do these this gang of uh, gang of jerks show up the rhino. Uh, what are they again? The rough rhinos. The rough rhinos, and we've seen their faces before. Yeah, it's. Uh, I believe we saw them in. Uh, was it? I think it was Avatar Day. Yes, because Aang had to um, perform community service in the end and get rid of these guys. Yeah, and that's when the the town turned around. And we're like, oh, you're heroes. We will we'll celebrate you again. Yeah, because they protected them from these jerks. So. But they didn't protect them enough because, yeah, they're still roaming the countryside and harassing yeah, poor travelers like these two. Pretty much. Although they are bounty hunters. Uh, okay, so they, sure. I like the fact that we get more about them is that um, they're legendary, uh, except we haven't heard of that. Uh, <laughs> amongst, like, you know, the common folk, um, they are weapon specialists. So we got a guy with a glaive, uh, a dude with the, the bomb thrower. We got an archer. A, um Oh, I forgot their names already, but the, you know, the specialized archers that could hit like a fly or something like that. Um, a guy with a Union. ball and chain. Yeah. Union archers. There we go. Thank you. And then whatever the Colonel Monk, Monk, Monk is like, whatever he does something with yeah. his <laughs> arms. I don't know. Maybe he's just freaking fist fighter. I couldn't even tell you. And apparently they're a good singing group. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And I like, um, yeah, since we'll see as this episode plays out that we're learning more about Iroh's kind of backstory a little bit, or at least getting hints at it. So we see some hints, yeah, here with these guys that, yeah, Iroh's encountered them in the past, or at least has some extensive knowledge about them. Yeah, has uh, encountered them back back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't get too much of that scene. It's We don't even really get a fight. They just, the Rough Riders go to attack, and Iroh does some defenses, and they take off, really. <laughs> Unless you have some more. Uh... No, no, no. Yeah, just it, it, this episode, especially when we see the gang in the desert. I don't know when I first like rewatched it. Like when I first not rewatched, like not for this, this, but like when I first watched this on the DVD I had bought all those years ago in 2015. I legitimately thought when the maybe I was just in such a stupor or I don't know what I was doing, but. When I watched it, I thought the characters in like the gang in the desert looked like uh, CGI. That's mm. that's how weird I, I it looked to me. I don't know why. So yeah, you all know who animated this. Given you know, oh, my, boy. my interest. Yeah, no, you know, like we didn't say anything last episode. That even though that last episode was Jam Animation. Well, you guess who animated this one? <laughs> <laughs> this is probably where he, as in. Caleb, uh, probably again didn't like this part of 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 the season where all of a sudden they get. However, 
I think it's partially justified given what we're going to get with Sokka. But anyways, as Zuko and Ira make their escape, um, you know, Zuko just mentions offhandedly mentions like, you know, I wonder if we're going to ever run into some friends that don't attack us. And then Iroh uses his new mm. voice like, mm, old friends that won't want to attack me. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, back to the desert. <laughs> yeah, back to the desert. Yeah, there's still Asaka, Iroh, and Toph are still making their way. And Momo. Iroh! Oops, Asaka, Asaka, Katara, and Toph. Yeah, I guess Katara and Iroh, they just look similar. You know, something about them is <laughs> very... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, certainly nothing different there. No age range or anything like that. And uh, they're all getting kind of thirsty. And, you know, of course, Katara or Iroh has her little uh, little water bag. And she's like, okay, I guess I'll give you guys this. You know, this is all we got for water. But she, she, we've definitely seen her use that on a number of foes in the past. And, yeah, I guess it's t- developed a little bit of a gross taste to it. So, so no one's too happy about that. She doesn't, uh, she doesn't reuse her water, or filter her water out. Yeah, <laughs> she's used the same one. It's the same one since the first episode. It's just nasty. <laughs> Can you believe that? Like, man, imagine where that water has interacted with and where it's like, yeah, been. Or if it was like just swamp water. Yeah. <laughs> That's unhygienic. Also, can I just say that the, not joke with the old bit when like Sokka and like Toph walks into Sokka and he's like, Hey, watch for Oh, sorry. Yeah. Again, the blind jokes. I forgot how much they use that. <laughs> oh dear. But, um, but yeah, Sokka, he's not too impressed with what Katara has to offer. And so he just looks around. And it's like, Oh, Hey, some cactuses. Let me just go try these. I don't know anything about this desert. Don't know anything about these cactuses, but I'll just, yeah, I'll just drink them. Which, by the way, if you go to 0543 or like, you know, a second earlier, you could sort of see the fact that somebody also has like cut off some of the cactus, cacti, excuse me. Mm. So like, Suck is not the only one that thought about this. Yeah. And I like, um, again, Katara, Katara's looking over and Toph's not even looking in his direction because she, she doesn't know where he is. Well, it's just that, but she can't like, she can't, she doesn't know where she, she is herself because again, like. Seismic sense doesn't work with sand. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I meant. Because usually she seems much more on the ball, but you can tell in this episode in the last one. Yeah, she's definitely completely out of her element. So <sighs> Funny enough, given that Earth is her element and sand technically is her element, but not in this case. Katara even like has to grab her hand. And and yeah, I do remember um, on my first viewing thinking that the animation in this one stood out as... Just not feeling like what we've seen up to this point. It feels much more uh, like um, I think of Hamtaro a little bit, just in terms of like kitty animation. Um, I'm not going there because I like uh, Hamtaro's animation. I'm going with more Ren and Stimpy and or oh, I don't know about Adventures that. There's just a Sonic the Hedgehog. Let's be real here. Let's go a little more American. Okay, okay. Let's go a little more wacky, zany. Yoo-hoo, wacko, whatever you want to call it. Wacko, wacko, yoo-hoo, pizza man. Could be a little Sonic Underground. Yeah, a little bit of that. But... No, no, no. That was a little less tame than... That's more tame than Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. Let's, let's be real here. Okay. Um, but this one has a little bit more of like a faux anime thing going on. That's true. Maybe you could almost say Fooly Cooly. Um, but let's just put it this way. Six minute mark. 
0600 minutes. I'm looking at it right now. This is where the episode begins. Yeah, and usually on the podcast, me and Isaac tend to stay away from the uh, referencing things like, you know, drugs or alcohol, but this goes right for it. Like, apparently we didn't need to worry. Like, Sokka's going full Cactus Jack here, even though it's not really Cactus Jack, it's Dude Love. But, yeah, Sokka is, um, he drank the Kool-Aid. Let's, I'm just going there. Yeah, Sokka's uh, entered the void, as it were. <laughs> oh, he's he's doing the he's doing a promo for Cactus Juice. He's doing the worm. Like somebody put this man on MTV. Like he is back in the oh, day. Yeah, doing, there he go. is throwing like a sick smack promo right now. Like it's this this man is uh, this man can't be stopped. <laughs> yeah, do you think it's surprising that they uh, went in that direction with this completely? like lost in psychedelia land episode like it seems i don't know like you could say it's heat stroke mixed with cactus juice i literally do not know and kids do not go into a desert somewhere and like find a cactus cut it open and start drinking juice and expect to act be acting like Sako. the novice elitist and or bending the elements podcast do not take any responsibility for any kids and or persons who do that that is on your behalf as a that is for all ladies, gentlemen, those in between and affiliated. That is all on you. We say nothing of the sort. We're not saying any of that, but I know the same effects will happen. And also I'm surprised this cacti did not, or this cactus did not have any like, um, uh, thorns on it because he was able to do that pretty easily. But yeah, this, um, when you have when you, when when you have limitations put on you for being a kids show, there are certain lines that you can be that are drawn, and this got away with it. And let me just tell you, Cora didn't do this either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is surprising, and uh, yeah, well, we'll see how that goes as the episode uh, goes on and what what effect they use it for. You know, I would have been interested to see what Toph, how Toph would have acted if she had some of that cactus juice, but Tara's like, let's not. I did think that was cute of her. Like, she doesn't know what's going on. She's like, can I get some of that too? Well, apparently she's lit on fire, so she's really gonna need some of that. <laughs> yeah, it is It is really interesting to see her, like, so now that she's not in her element, now that she's really disadvantaged, like, her, her edge is just, like, gone. No more snarky Toph. Yeah, how vulnerable she is and, yeah, just 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 stays there like neutral like not doing anything we're just standing around kind of feeling helpless and useless yeah it's it's kind of sad to see her like that but it's certainly different but as we cut away from that group we get a beautiful top shot of yeah ang just floating along or flying along in his glider and uh looking for his bud blowing his bison whistle which we haven't seen in a while and uh yeah, so so even though there, I do feel like there's some weakness to the animation in this episode. Uh, there, there's still some stuff to compliment, definitely. Oh yeah, and in a fit of like you know frustration that you know again he can't find anything. Like Vizzer is only so big. Like you know slams his staff down and produces a um, column and plume of smoke uh, vertically. Yeah, but which can be seen by our other group and also felt because the sand like blasts its way there. Oh, do we? I forgot to mention that Momo also had some of the cactus juice. Um, oh, did he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, in yeah, in being inquired by 
uh, Katara as to what just happened, or I guess Toph as well, because she, of course, can still feel the <sighs> still feel the the sand blowing in her face. Sokka basically gives us the explanation of uh, it's a giant friendly mushroom. Yeah, and again, um, maybe mildly questionable. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it looks very much like a mushroom cloud, like uh, a certain uh, nuclear bomb might make. I really hope it's not. And then they use it for uh, then they use it for comedic effect, and also maybe drawing a parallel to a certain magic mushroom. So I was like, oh boy, boys. <laughs> Are we talking about Toad? Oh no. Jeez. I just, just Toad getting the big mushroom, I forget what it's called, but the Giga Mushroom, I think, in, in like that power up in Mario Brothers, where like Mario becomes Mega Mario. Maybe it's Mega Mushroom. I don't remember. I thought it was a Giga Mushroom, but like more mm. Mario can grow in size. So are we talking like Toad getting his hands on a Giga slash Mega Mushroom and growing in size? That technically he'd be a giant mushy friend i guess i don't know no i don't yeah i don't know how you got there but <laughs> meanwhile back in the misty palms oasis uh where the same dog is still licking the uh well the iceberg which mm. i think may or may not be a spiritual iceberg how is it spiritual it doesn't melt yeah right <laughs> hey i don't know <laughs> speculation yeah and as we see uh Fu and master Yu. Yeah, they they look a little off. The something about them does not look the same way it looked when we last saw them. They look a little, uh, I don't know, just badly animated. I'm, that's mean. That's mean. That's not true. <laughs> that's not what I meant to say. Meanwhile, in the uh, really lackluster B buddy cop film, which is mm. again, you wish you they had a back and forth. Um, they arrive at Misty Palms and they inquire if they've seen a blind girl as such and the guy you know uh, under threat of getting his legs broken uh is like oh, i saw them going to the desert maybe they probably they probably died zifu's just like good maybe they're wanted or yeah they wanted he's uh, good they're wanted dead or alive <laughs> master fu is like no they're not no she's not i love that i love that <laughs> i was definitely laughing at that like who what is, this guy's like completely lost the plot too he he's completely forgotten his mission statement. Oh shoot! Uh, there's Zhang Zhang and um, what's Absolutely. his face? Uh, I forget his um his 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 secondary bud. Um, he's there as uh, well. Yeah, I don't remember him, but I was gonna mention. Yeah, I love that we see not only is Zhang Zhang there and that other guy, but Zuko's on the uh, the bounty list twice. Yes, he is. And same with Aang. I thought that was cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is really cool detail. But it's so funny that he goes to that bounty board immediately. Uh, yeah. like, like, just, hey, the plot's calling me to go and tell me to go over here. <laughs> I don't want to. Whatever. Well, he was like, uh, you know, she might be dead. We might be losing our some of our money. Well, what's another source of money we can make? Yeah, exactly. Suddenly these guys are just, yeah, they, they've teamed up as bounty hunters. <laughs> Easy pickings. Easy pickings right there. Yeah. And so we, we see, yeah, right after they notice that. Yeah, that's when. Poor Uncle Iroh and Zuko just come wandering into town looking for a place mm. to probably get a drink. And yeah, Not far behind where Aang and the gang were. Interesting. Yeah. Um, more to that later. But 0812. That's a shot. Oh, I'm looking at that. That's so funny. That's the second time that I've just been exactly what you said. Yeah. Oh, the desert. Holy crap. It's just blood red. That's that's so yeah, cool. Looks great. Yeah. No, I don't know. Is desert also like is sand hard to film in? 
Just again, because of the reflective nature of it. Oh, I don't know. But uh, speaking of hard uh, to film in, that, that, that does not work at all. Um, speaking of someone who's not very uh, pleasant to film with, uh, Ang lands back with them. And he's still being a, a bit of a grumpy Gus. He still uh, didn't find his buddy and kind of takes it on the rest of the group. He's still in the fields. Yeah, in the fields. He really is in the fields. Yeah. And he, he's like taken on a defeatist uh, take. He's like, we're not going to survive without Appa. Like, I don't even want to try to survive without him. And yeah, it's real sad. And poor uh, everyone's kind of on, in the dumps because, yeah, Toph too is like, she's depressed. She, she's so tired of being this helpless person in this this place. And As she puts it, she's stuck in a giant bowl filled with sand pudding. <laughs> That's scary if she can, like, feel the edges of where the Earth is. Mm. And mm. you just, again, that kind of goes to my, like, acrophobia of, like, this giant, like, you can see down to the bedrock, which I feel like she couldn't, but, like, see to the bedrock and you can see this giant bull. That would just scare me. I don't know why. Like, that would just, like, terrify me of how, like, deep that thing goes. I was just like, oh, golly, that is that is high. And speaking of high, uh, 905... We see a shot of Sokka and Momo laid out beside each other, staring up at the uh, the buzzard wasp, and they're just grinning ear to ear. And Momo is even following them with his hand, like, "Oh, oh boy, these two goobers!" <laughs> but I do like the little part where, like, we go between uh, Mopey Ang, um, useless Toph. I don't want to call her that, um, and then like just. How do, I, how do I put this? Uh, tossed in the lost, uh, or sauced in the lost, uh, Sokka and Momo, and and just Katara having to deal with like these four. I'm just like I'm just. It really does show her motherly instincts and or mm-hmm. like again just trying to get you know them to all survive and them all like again buzzard wasps being above them that you know will take a crack at them. And so I just love that we see her kind of go back to her motherly instinct. Well, I don't know, go back to, but I, I just like that. It's showing a different side of her that she's not always the combatant, but again, yeah. like the heart of the group of the team. And uh, yeah, I wish we kind of had more of that. Um, maybe it took her time to grow as into that role. I, I don't know, but yeah, it's nice to see that side of her. Yeah, and she leads them for a while until it seems to be getting too dark. Um, clearly, she's not too desert-wise because she's like, oh, yeah, let's travel during the day, but during the night, yeah, that's when we should sleep. Um, I mean, maybe uh, yeah, not the wisest with desert uh, traveling. But I like how Toph wants a little bit more water. But <laughs> when she's about to give it to her Momo, he's all out of it. Yes, storms forward to grab the water, and it splashes into the sand, and... Yeah, Top just loses it. Or uh, Sokka just loses it. Sokka loses it, and he's kind of conscious of that, which is... Eh, fair enough. I don't know how much got onto Momo and how much got into... Uh, and how much Katara was able to retrieve back from the sand, but... Yeah, I love that. He just freaks out, like, Oh, no, you've killed us. But she's just like, what? <laughs> she's just so done with him this whole episode. She's like, I, I just can't do deal with this guy anymore sort of but not really i don't know she didn't break at that point um no but she's definitely annoyed and and we've been seeing her doing like size and us 
like all over the place with him. That's true. <laughs> and then she uh, has an idea and asks for, you know, some of the scrolls that Sokka uh, took from the library. <laughs> oh, he has a freak out, does he not? <laughs> yeah, not only does he have a freak out, but then he accuses poor Momo. And then Momo just has a breakdown and starts crying. <laughs> Never see Momo just sit there with his eyes over his eyes crying. His little ears down. Uh, and he keeps going for a while, too. <laughs> oh, he certainly does. And as she's looking, pondering over these these maps or these scrolls, uh, she's like, ah, maybe there's a map to get us out of here. <laughs> Ang on the side. None of them will be able to find Appa. It's like, of course they won't. This isn't a real time, like, you know, find my phone app or something like that. Oh, he's given up. He's ready to just you know, bury himself in the sand and, and go to sleep forever. Jeez. Hey, <laughs> go, like, bury yourself with all this angst or something like that. Like, yeah, cut it out, will you? Like, I'm not going to deny, like, you just lost, like, everything to you that, like, represents, like, your whole culture. But, mm. like, I mean, it's again, it's all sorrow and, and whatnot, which makes sense. Yeah, you should totally take his glider out to the sea into a storm and then turn to the Avatar state and freeze like that. And so the cycle do that in the desert and said, like, go bury yourself in the sand. Why won't you? Yeah, we see how Aang gets when he gets depressed and scared. So so Katar should be watching out for him a little bit more. But go write poetry for pit's sakes if you have to, if you're this angsty. What do you need? A world's tiniest violin? Oh no, my air bison is missing. Oh no, no. World's tiniest violin playing. Jeez, this is getting cruel to him. But speaking of cruel, we cut over to uh, Zuko and Iroh, and they're hanging out. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Before, before then, at least uh, one thing that Katara uh, comes up with is that uh, with the map, she finds a star chart. And with all the constellations, and she figures, similar to what sailors do uh, in the night sky, is that she. Um, uh, is going to use the stars to find their way out, which is uh, indeed very smart. Although I also thought of the idea that they use, um, oh, what is it? Uh, they had in the opposite or direction of where the sun's setting. So either they go to like where the sun would rise or set, because I don't know which way bossing says, but you can sort of determine where the sun is by, you know, North, south, east, west. So it sets it it rises in the east, sets in the west. I'm pretty sure it still does in this universe or on this planet. And so they would just go like determine well, where's north? That's not the only reason. Also, I'm surprised Sokka doesn't have a compass on him. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but like I'm kind of surprised by that they didn't have that, but whatever. Anyway, I'm pretty sure compass compasses exist in this, although I don't know if they maybe they don't. Maybe they don't have maybe, but they okay, whatever. Next. Cut back to uh yeah, the bar with, with Zuko and Iroh. Moss Isley Cantina. And uh, yeah, Zuko, he's he's kind of disgusted by all the, the sand people. Like we said, yeah, continuing the Star Wars reference, and he thinks they're kind of yeah, dirty wanderers. Oof. And he's just, yeah, he's unhappy and real grumpy. How dare you say that to the Freeman? I know, and, he, and he's uh, he, he looks like him too, even Iroh comments, but he still thinks he's superior or something. But yeah, then Iroh spots someone who looks a little bit more clean, a little bit, a little bit different than the other people around. Yeah, de- animated and detailed differently, drawn differently. <laughs> yeah, and it just so happens that it kind of ties into uh, Zuko's comments from earlier, finding a friend that doesn't want to kill him. 
Now, I don't think Iroh knows this guy in particular, but he certainly recognizes a, a familiar, what would you say, a familiar, familiar representative of uh, people he knows. Well, I feel like he does know him personally, I'd say. Um, oh, really? Hmm. Well, they speak in tongues and are they speaking code? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they're all representative of somebody that's familiar to them, but I don't feel like he knows this individual guy, but. But I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I feel like you know if they if whatever like, I, well, see what what order we're talking about is of course the order of Pi Show. <laughs> I always know an official Pi Show member, so that's why that's what I mean. Like it's again, it's like a, it's a it's a international league. <laughs> yeah, we see also in the the bars Jinfu and the Master Wu, and they're just like, oh, should we go get him right now? But is it is it Wu who's like, oh, let's take some patience and let's wait? Yeah, Fu was like, uh, we'll wait because there's a lot of desperate characters here. And as soon as mm. we announce that they're wanted fugitives, everybody else will be on us. That's set right. Set up. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so the Pi Show players begin the game. But Uncle Iroh um, starts off the gambit, as you stated before, with the White Lotus tile. Yep. And the uh, his his compatriot notices this, recognizes it, and um, tell, uh, uh, states outright verbally that you know he's doing this. He's like interesting move, and they begin either not playing pie show or oh yeah. By the way, I, I remember I made a comment like way long ago that I said that this was like a game of Chinese checkers or something like that or Chinese chess. I'm so stupid. It clearly is pie show. I'm pretty sure that's a real thing. Oh, is it just real game? Hmm. I think it is. You know what? Hang on a second. Let me make sure. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were actually playing a, a proper game, but they... It says formerly fictional, so it was created for this show, but they turned into a real game. Oh. All right. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah, the, the game goes goes by, and yeah, Zuko's getting more and more impatient because the two of them definitely seem to be talking in some sort of riddle that he doesn't get. Yes. And and Iroh, he's looking especially smug this episode. That he's got a grin all the time. And oh yeah, he does. He knows something that the audience and Zuko don't know, which is great. Yeah, and he's he's rubbing in our face a little bit too with the animation. Yeah, especially when we like get a top view of like their game. And that's not really a pie show game. It's more in the image of something of a lotus. It would seem. Yeah symbolism what does it even mean but in uh not not just um not only is zuko kind of infuriated uh zifu is just completely he's lost it he's just like all right that's it i'm going after these guys yeah and so he goes for the assault and yeah our, our buddy the pie show uh champion or or tournament representative steps up and he's like wait i want these guys they're they're worth a great bounty loudly announces this yeah and as soon as that happens well as uh master fu said the worst things that could have happened was uh yeah that yeah and even though they do manage to take out all the bar guys pretty quickly uh it's not quick enough because yeah the, the other three um iro zuko and whoever the other guy is they all managed to sneak out and escape so it's too bad for them and then in his rage, Zifu like shoots a column up from somebody and launches them out of yeah. the uh, bar and onto a palm tree. 
Hopefully that guy didn't die, but sheesh. That's a river awakening. <laughs> yeah, and then back with our desert uh, desert wandering group. Yeah, everybody's still pretty depressed. I mean, things are not going so great. Aang is feeling pretty bad, but he looks up in the sky, and what does he see but Appa flying up by the moon? And you see a twinkle show up in his eye. He stands up. He's all excited. That snow cloud, you know, for and you know exactly that that's not cloud. That is not cloud. I know it's moving, but if it wasn't moving, you know exactly what that is. Yep. Yeah, and it's quite sad for him. Well, no, 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 not, not. It's oh, it's an animal, but it's not off a jean jacket. Oh, okay. Yeah, and who knew that he can be defeated so so quickly? All you need is an airbender with a bag, and yeah, dude, right up. Yeah, didn't even need to like you know what happened in that film. Didn't even have to like he did it there. So like, yeah. Oh, and I love Sokka's comment by the way of the oh yeah that he's in of like he mentions that you know there's a cloud right above Ua. Nice touch, yeah. guys. Yeah, why does she need Appa? She's the moon. She flies by herself. Yeah, that was that was an interesting uh, comment. Uh, yeah, he's still kind of stupid. I also love when Toph wakes up from her little nap. She's like, yep, my mouth tastes like mud. Or sand, <laughs> yeah, mud, or whatever it was. Wish yeah. it was mud instead of sand. Anyway. Yeah, I like that bit too. Katara instructs Aang to go and get some water for them because clouds are indeed made of water. But unfortunately, this is a desert cloud and they don't have much water in them, so uh, not much water to grab and, and get, but yeah, and Aang just goes into a rage. Even the mention of, like, she's like, oh, she's not even blaming him, really. She's just surprised. Yeah, she's like, oh, you know, just like, I was expecting a little more from that cloud. But again, she just keeps on going. She's like, all right, whatever. He's going to have his tender temper tantrum, excuse me. So let's just keep going. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and poor, uh, poor Toph as they're walking along trips over a big thing protruding out of the ground, and she's just choked. Big boat. Well,. We don't know it's a boat. We just know it's a well, weird piece of looking wood or whatever you want to call it. And But then, yeah, it turns out, yeah, it's an entire skiff that the sandbenders use. And yeah. Yeah. So somebody rolled a luck. I uh, got a got a natural 20 on, like, I guess, a luck roll or whatever like that. Because fortune favors the brave and they found themselves a means to get out and travel the desert. Yeah, and even more lucky, Aang is there to just swipe away the sand and immediately unbury it. So, I mean, how did it? I don't understand how uh, so much of it was buried when only the tip of it was poking out, but that was so much lower than the. Well, uh, you see, my friend, sand and deserts operate under a similar like ocean idea. Okay, now of course not. <laughs> Any like biome biologist is gonna like disc- discredit me, but remember, sand travels by wind by erosion. And mm. dunes can change. They can be there at one point and not be there the next. They travel literally like ocean waves. And so the desert skiff was probably underneath like a depression of sand or a decline of sand. And eventually the wind uh, blew sand over it and buried it. So that's what I assume happened with it. Hmm. Oh, I was just, maybe I didn't, I guess we didn't see what it looked like. I was just wondering how 
one piece was sticking out when the rest of it was hidden. But it most likely was either knocked over or something. Maybe tribes uh, or had a disagreement and like flipped over or something like that. Or somebody was caught in a sandstorm and couldn't control the sensor. I don't know. It could have been anything really. Oh, but Katara notices a little little compass on it, and we'll we'll find out more about that as we we, we cut back to the next. See, compasses do exist in this world, but I don't know like if it's. I assume it like they point north in this. I hope. Oh, well, Again, always have a compass, people. Yeah, we'll find out. But uh, but first, we have to cut back to Zuko and Iroh, and they're going into this much fancier looking little club. Uh, was it close by the previous place in Misty Palms Oasis, or did uh... it's a little? Uh, I think it's a little away from Misty Palms. Uh, so mm-hmm. like. Yeah, it's because it's not in the center of the with, with the with the uh, the figurine, um, the figurine. Sorry, but the, um, the 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 set piece, not set piece, whatever it's called. Um, but yeah, it's ways ways away. It's probably like where some of the people, the locals live. I don't know. It's like the suburbs area. I don't obviously not, but it's where the others stay. And it's this little flower shop. And Zuko is just, you know, all like, all right, why, is, why are we in a flower shop all of a sudden? Like, what's going on here? And uh, Iroh is like, I am the walrus. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. And again, again, he looks so smug. <laughs> I just wish that that he would, that Hugh himself or who himself was like uh, part of the part of this, this club. That would be so funny. This pie show club. No, that would be funny. And they get to a door, and yeah, he says his little, you know, I'm the walrus speech, and they let him in. But they don't even tell Zuko at first that he can't come in. They just close the door right on him, and he's he's stunned. Like, what? What's going Sorry, on? Sorry, members only. Yeah, what a bunch of jerks. Hey, I know the secret password. That doesn't mean anything. You don't have your Pi Show card. Remember, this is for Pi Show players only. And it's even Iroh who who opens up the little, little hole in the door and tells him, like, oh, you got to stay out there until I come back centerpiece that's what it was the uh the whole like iceberg in center of misty palms oasis that's the centerpiece that's what i'm gonna say thank you very much brain so yeah poor poor zuko during all this stuff but but then we cut back to you know our desert dwelling buds again yeah and it's on the catamaran yeah and then they're going at full bore it's really cool looking again just like in the last episode and katara's once again leading the group and she's following this little compass but it doesn't seem to be uh doesn't seem to be working like a normal compass kind of uh, following up on your your questions from before Mm -hmm. yeah and it turns out it's actually because there's a big disruption to its magnetic uh pull (laughs) i like uh by the way momo uh sokka holding his tail and momo just (laughs) flowing in the uh, the breeze i think that's cool but oh yeah just like almost like water skiing or something like that it's kind of funny (laughs) yeah Oh, but the compass is pulling them towards the, the magnetic center of the desert, a giant rock. Which I don't know is fair magnetic, but fair enough. It points back to home for the sandbenders, as this is probably a, um, yeah, a, a, how do you call it? It's it's a means of, yeah, I don't know if, if this is the center of the entire desert or, because I was initially thinking that the, um, the library itself was like the centerpiece of the desert, but it's not, it's this rock. Mm. So I assume that when like the sandbender tribes, you know, go out and around the desert, they use uh, this center rock as uh, this, well, the center, obviously to go around. Um, so if like wherever they are, what North, South, East or West, they at least have know where the center point is, uh, which kind of makes sense. I think, I think that works. 
Yeah, and of course it makes sense that Toph is super excited to be on solid ground again. She's so pumped. She even jumps onto the ground and does some uh, some some rock angels. I thought that was a pretty cute piece of animation. Can I just say as well, the sky looks really cool for sunrise. Um, and they are oh, looking yeah. west or east, by the way. So just to give them a, a, a... So they were coming in from the west, I guess. I don't remember now. No, yeah, yeah, maybe west. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, um, they begin exploring because they're like, ooh, caves, uh, rock formations, weird. Doesn't look like that's there, but like that's natural. Maybe it's somebody bent this. I, I couldn't even tell you. Yeah, and uh, as they're going through the cave, they notice all this stuff on the wall, and they're kind of curious what's this stuff, and Sokka especially is is curious. And as we know, Sokka, he likes to uh, likes to do his experiments, and he picks it up and puts it right into his mouth to taste it, see what it is. It even looks like Momo takes a little bit, too. Oh, yeah, he does. And, <laughs> and they're both disgusted, and of course, Katara has to come over, and she's, again, she's had it with this guy. She chives him for the cactus juice first off, and now he's doing this. She's just like, what is going on here? And he's like, I have no yeah. curiosity. It's like, oh, sure you do, bud. <laughs> yeah, like, what's wrong with this guy, man? He never learns. But <laughs> Always wanting to put something in your mouth. Oh, man, you've been hallucinating all day from the cactus juice. Oh, dear. <laughs> Certainly have. Uh, but thankfully, even though Toph is like their deus ex machina spider since warning, uh, mm. um, she... You know, again, using her seismic sense, she looks around to see if what's going on. And being a good scout, she is determining that these walls aren't exactly natural and that they were formed by a creature. And that this may not exactly be uh, an empty cave with all this slime and liquid substance. And it might be, in fact, I don't know, a hive, especially when you look up or when you come out of the cave and realize that it's a mound of buzzard wasps. Yeah. And that's kind of cool. It turns out it was a little bit of a setup before, but yeah, they have to, to jump into the attack because the buzzard wasps detector detect their, detect their uh, presence. Uh, presence. Thank you. <laughs> and they jump into fighting and even Sokka, you know, he's getting into the fight, but uh, unfortunately there's no, uh, no buzzard wasp there for him to fight, but. Not just that, but he's also got a like. She, he he's not the only one having problems. Toph, while she does very well whenever they are on the ground, it's when they're in the air is she a little like I'm not mm. gonna say useless, but when she's certainly not at her most uh, strong strongest. Yeah, speaking of not their strongest, poor uh, Momo. He's usually pretty good at flying around. Usually pretty good at avoiding uh, detection or getting snatched up, but this time. Yeah, the buzzard wasp grabs him. Oh, and uh, quickly, right as he gets snatched up, or right before he does, uh, Katara does spill off the line. I'm completely out of water, which does track because she was using water the whole time to keep them hydrated, except for mm. herself, by the way, which is honestly, yeah. I didn't realize that very subtle on her character, which is, again, very good for her character, uh, that she gives them water instead of herself. It's like, that's really self-sacrificing, I must say props to katara but anyway no it tracks like she's completely okay with that unless 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 sorry uh she could somehow bend the secreted liquid or whatever you want to call it from the buzzard wasps in the caves you could maybe say she could use that if there was at least a bit of water in there or if we're going that now to she could bend liquids like all of the liquid state itself 
or state of liquid, but I don't, I don't worry. I'm not going to like put her on that. But anyways, back to that. Aang is furious. Like that, that anger uh, towards not so much the buzzer wasps. Like, you know, I think he wouldn't take them. He wouldn't be as angry at them. Like he wasn't angry at the Canyon crawlers or whatever they were called um, back in the great divide. But this time, given that, you know, Appa's gone, um he's not having any of it like he's he's taking names like he goes he goes straight for that buzzer wasp and um we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there as you know uh katara says to the rest of them like let's get out of here and then starts using herself as eyesight for toff to just shoot rocks at which does work out pretty well right yeah and then we see we cut back to ang and he comes right up next to the buzzard wasp and gives it like a little bit of a an air swipe. And I like how he's like he's gotten so cold that Momo goes flying out of the grass with the the buzzard wasp and he just kind of watches Momo fall. Yeah. And he also and Momo's fine, of course, but and yeah. Momo doesn't even react to that. But oh man, nineteen sixteen. This this guy has some ill intentions right now. He's he is not looking so good. Like he he's about to kill something. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he does, and that's that's interesting. Like, just again, vertical swipes at the wasp, and it like goes down. Don't know if he air sliced it, where he again used the air to cut like you know a piece of wood. But that's I'm gonna mark that as questionable because we mm. don't see it. If we got a shot of what it was, and of course at like 1927 we get like Momo looking at him like obviously, yeah. obviously, but so. Uh, this is in the air whether he does kill it or not. And his yeah. face, of course, maybe say it or not. But it, there was ill intention of that monk pacifist. Not really. Uh, that monk um, avoiding, trying to avoid combat. Um, certainly going on the offense. And don't know whether or not he intentionally like killed that creature. So that's just, that's, we're, we're putting this one in the book as questionable. Yeah, but as we cut back to the rest of the group, we see that the buzzard wasps got them pretty much cornered. I mean, I don't think they're going to... It seems like they've, they're have a little bit too weak to fight back at this point. Pretty much. And it's lucky It's lucky that our other buddies, the sandbenders, this little tribe, show up just in time. And yeah, use their sandbending to, to spook them. Get them out of there. Can I just say that when they like rupture those like earth or those sand columns almost, it reminded me of in Dunkirk. Remember in the beach scene... Uh, when everybody drops, when the Germans come in with the planes, and you just see like all the sand burst up, kind of run me of that. Mm. That's cool. And some of the shots of them all standing like that, for whatever reasons, make me think of uh, David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> it clearly is a reference to it. I guarantee you. Huh. Uh, and then yeah, Ang drops down as the um, what are they? What what what's the what's um, uh, what's the chosen one character's name again not even name but what's the what what's the chosen one's character's name again what's their chosen one name again that the freemen give him oh mohadib Moha, mohadib right um yeah just <laughs> ang and or mohadib just drops in and you know brought to tab talk but before that we go back to the flower shop oh yeah yeah and uh uh you you can go ahead i'm already past that part yeah <laughs> uh, no uh, that's fair uh yeah we just get you know the, the 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 order of the pie show uh group they made arrangements for 
boss for for Iroh to go to Bossing Say to represent them in the uh Pie Show Championship and um yeah I guess uh yeah they're going to be on their way but as soon as that happens um oh and they mentioned that there's a lot of refugees there I feel like that's probably Mm. setting something up uh they can hide in plain sight and whatnot again but the representation of the pie show game is the important part and uh as they're about to leave we uh one of the i guess pie show but low, lower buds uh shows up with the uh, passports but is like yeah there's just two knuckleheads outside not outside the door but like you know looking around like asking for your guys's heads and uh yeah what are we gonna do <laughs> Cut back to the rock with all the air sandbenders and whatnot confronting uh, Aang and the group. Uh, you want to say anything? Uh, not about that that previous scene, though. No. Got it. Yeah, and it, tensions are rising. I think they can sense that Aang, you know, he, he's got some aggression to him, and they immediately start accusing them of stealing the the sand glider that they found, and especially this little. Uh, Maybe like a second in command type of guy. This younger guy definitely seems to be pushing some of that because maybe he's got something that he's hiding from himself. So mm. most likely. By the way, what do you think of the Sandbender designs? I don't think I asked you that before. But what do you think of their like design? Uh, I don't. I don't have much thoughts to them. They it doesn't look particularly unique for uh, yeah people who dwell in the desert. So yeah, because like. The uh, Foggy Swamp Water Tribe. Uh, mm. This is kind of the equivalent to them. Uh, or for Earth, yeah. the Earth Kingdom. But in the desert now. So I think it's a pretty cool look. It makes sense that they have wraps. They're not... It's not fully like looking like people on Tatooine. But you can sort of see that idea. Where they're just all in sand. I, I just like the wrappings. I don't know why. I think the wrappings are pretty cool. Um, it makes sense. That's pretty much like what you would probably do in the desert. To make yourself light as possible to reflect the sun off of your body. Uh, I just really do enjoy that. But um, yeah, back to what you're saying is that uh, not just intentions, but the sun or whatever his name is. I, I know his name. I the, the guy we see like a shot of Toph with her eye and her ear. And you're like, well, hang on. She's not like using seismic sense because she's on the sand. No, 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 no. She's using her ears and her brain. And I was like, Wait a minute. Auditory recognition. I hear I, this guy sounds familiar. He's the one that stole Appa. And she's like, I never forget a voice. It's like, hmm, interesting. And as soon as that she says that, well, everybody run because Aang's ang- angry. Yeah, he's in a he's in a very violent uh, mindset and he's ready to go to work on these guys. And yeah, if he's going to Remember when I said about he's taking names? He's taking names. All right, he's taking the names of all these sailor boats <laughs> or these these sand boats. Yeah, and he doesn't even yeah he doesn't even want to hear anything. He just goes right to uh, assaulting. Where's my bison? Diplomacy is over. Dip- diplomacy has failed. If you're in Fallout, and it's just time for combat. <laughs> yeah, but we before the the fight really gets into action, we cut back to Zuko and Iroh, but we don't really see them. We see that our, our two pair of dorks. They barge into the flower shop and they're like, we're, we're looking for these guys. We heard they were in here, but there's nothing to be found there. So, so I don't know. I'm completely confused. I don't know how they, I don't know where they went. So they went somewhere, but then, you know, Wu comes in and 
It's just like, we know about your secret back room. They could just have a back room. It might not be a secret back room. We have no idea. But anyway, and how did they even know that? They read the script, whatever. Um, notice a pie show piece that has the white lotus on it. And freaking uh, Zifu in a fit of rage, just, yeah, is just like, that's it. I've had enough of this side stupid side plot. Uh, let's go back to finding the girl. Yeah, and then we cut over to outside of the village. And we get it's kind of an awkwardly animated scene of these two uh, pots of flowers and the tops lift up. It turns out that's where Zuko and Iowa were, were hiding. Uh, but I don't know, uh, the heads just, especially Iroh's, just looked a little bit, a little bit, I don't know, like a, like they just cut the, the image in there. It didn't look like it was all done on its own, but if you get what I mean. Ah, okay, well I thought he was, but I, I just like the cartoonish nature of that. I think it was pretty funny, but. Well, that's fair. I'm just gonna say it that th- th- those two just once again annoy me a lot. Yeah, it was just a subplot that not not even went nowhere, but like, it, not not Iroh and Zuko. That's fine, but like, I just that's the one thing I don't like. <sighs> There's it's the fact that they just didn't do anything with them. But that's that's I'm just showing my hand here. I'm sorry. No, it's fair, and I and I honestly even feel like the Zuko and Iroh plot. It feels a little bit like um, setup. It's more ex, yeah, setup or exposition more than anything else. It certainly is, but I no, I think that's necessary. I think that fully is necessary, especially with the introduction of that order of the pie show. Like, yeah, they that needs to happen uh, again, so that it doesn't come out of nowhere later for the audience to be like, "What the heck?" Setup, payoff. It's a fundamental thing of writing. It's fine. Um, whereas, like stupid whatever sorry okay okay sorry sorry let's go back to the good stuff um yeah. they're off to bossing say back on the rock which would be funny if these characters it were in the movie the rock that'd be very interesting um yeah angst just he's on the assault he's 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 gone berserk yeah, his rage is getting so far to the point that he's not even really he's not even really himself anymore at a certain point he's he's falling into the avatar state because he's so depressed or distressed i should say well yeah after like apparently which we didn't hear this in the last episode but apparently this um gangsome guy said that he was it wasn't him but he was tough said he was the one that said told uh, the other sandbenders to put a muzzle on appa hmm. that's what triggers ang to go full-on avatar mode yeah and he he he's already killed once a day potentially and he seems like he's in a place where he would do it again. So so it's getting scary for everyone involved, especially Katara. As soon as he said, like, tell me where Appa is in a Legion voice, if you know what that means. <laughs> like, that's when you gotta run. Yeah. Like, he has completely just lost it and his emotions are at, like, a high point. Uh, and then the against him just... Uh, coolly spills like everything he knows is like you know I sold him some merchants he's probably blasting say right now uh, where they're gonna sell him later so it's like yeah he's he's gone impot- Im- impotent right now it's uh it's bad and Sok actually gets back to his senses and is like everybody run yeah even grabs uh, Toph grabs her arm <laughs> direct her to the escape he's he's seen what happens when when Aang's like this and returns back into his little like you know air bubble and 
yeah, he's he's just yeah, he's gonna he's creating like a, a a vortex within like the desert and but Katara's there once again just she's seen this before and she doesn't even like react immediately she just knows that this is all like pure emotion and yeah. calmly walks towards the yeah floating um, sorrow filled yeah yeah floating sorrow filled avatar and just simply grabs his arm and wrist and just with a straight look gently brings him back down to the earth and we can see through all the sand and distortion that as she hugs the avatar with glowing eyes and whatnot that a god has tears rolling down his eyes as she shares the tears with him and as the avatar state ends and the vortex dissipates we see an ang a broken avatar break down in tears and that is the end of this episode yeah pretty powerful little last sequence and i like how she had like the saddest face when she's grabbing his arm she just looks like disappointed but like understanding and yeah it's, it's a good moment between the two of them i hurt with you because i know you hurt yeah played by both a duo of nine inch nails and johnny cash Oh, but speaking of hurting, uh, well, what did you think of watching this one? Was it a painful experience? Was it one that you didn't want to, didn't want to go through, or what, what, what were your thoughts on this one? This isn't the painful episode. Don't <laughs> worry, that one comes later. Mm. This one, though, as annoying as Ang might seem, it's in character uh, of how like angry he is. Uh, no, no pun intended. As to losing a friend. We didn't get like flashbacks with him and Appa, but you can certainly, again, you have a, Aang is pretty much the parent to Appa and you just lost your child in a way. How do you think he feels? Can't do anything about it. It makes perfect sense why he would react this way. And uh, it is basically just a escape for these characters of how they, uh, use their resourcefulness to get away from, uh, get out of their predicament. Uh, some some luck is there, but you can also state that it makes sense. And once they at least seem to get out of it, do they find the results of who took Appa? And that we again get to you know that they're going to go to Bossing Say, as they were going to go there anyways. So it's quite convenient for them but it you could say it's filler but it's i think filler that is necessary because we do need to see how they get out of the deserts and see ang's emotions and her reaction to what happened and again as for the zuko and iroh side plot or side of the story excuse me uh again that is necessary for setup as to where these characters are going and i think it was also necessary not necessary of course being uh the Zifu and Master Fu um, pl- side plot that just, again, goes nowhere. Unless somebody wants to convince me that that's important. I <laughs> don't exactly care for those two. Yeah, and I guess we'll see. Only because it ultimately, yeah, ultimately just ends pointlessly. Yeah, I guess we'll see how that, how that turns out. But um, yeah, no, I think this one's definitely looks a little paler in the light of uh, the library, the previous episode. It definitely is not on that level. 
And it's got some weaknesses. I think the Irozuko plot in general, uh, one feels more like setup than a real plot in its own. Yeah, the two doofuses, yeah, Jin Fu and yeah, Mastery, Master Yu. And not particularly well animated and not particularly interesting. And I also think that I, I find the smug animation of Iroh a little annoying. <laughs> Something about it just looks a little just off for Iroh. It just doesn't just feels weird. But but I think all the, the Ang stuff in particular is, is the real standout stuff. Just seeing him so enraged and um, yeah, when he turns into the Avatar state again. I thought that was a really uh, cool moment or a powerful moment with him and Katara. So, so maybe not a, a standout. It's not going to be one at the end of this season that I hold up as one of the great ones, but but a, a solid enough episode. Indeed. And uh, looking, watching this episode again, uh, the characters did not look like they were animated with CGI. Uh, I don't like again. I don't know what I was on. I was not on any additives or hallucinogenics. Do not worry. <laughs> but I, for some reason, just the way they looked to me when I watched it, like the first time, it looked like they were all CGI characters, which really hard. You have to like really concentrate hard enough to like see, oh, okay, maybe they sort of look CGI, but they, they were not. Yeah. And I think in our discussion of book one, I remember hammering some of the episodes in season two of like, yeah, just breaking down and it just not working in some ways. And I, I feel like this is one of the ones that I remembered as being one of the bad ones. And I wouldn't say it's bad, but it there's some animation choices in it that I find a little just not particularly great. But I think there are some standout moments. I know that some fan, yeah. fans certainly remember this one for Sokka, you know, drinking the juice, basically. Uh, yeah. And fair enough, that is unique, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what's the memorable part of this. Nobody talks about, maybe people do talk about, but I feel like people talk about Sokka being on the juice rather than Aang almost, or at least questionably, killing a de- uh, a, des- uh, a buzzard wasp. Again, questions whether or not it died or not, but still, like, in ill intensely going to kill a, or having the look of wanting to kill that thing. <laughs> Yeah. Did you uh did you have any final words for us or should I just say the uh the old peace and love? <laughs> Was Appa always just a figment of cactus juice imagination? Till next time. Drink cactus juice. It'll quench ya. <laughs>
I think that's what they'd say on WWE in the 90s. Wow. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. Never tried a Slim Jim. Is it actually good? Oh, I actually tried one because of seeing Diesel and uh, Bam Bam Bigelow constantly advertising it. Really? Eh? What the fudge? And I tried it and it was weird. Um, it was like slightly spicy and okay. it had a a weird like liquidy quality to it as well, which you wouldn't expect. Interesting. Yeah, it was not. I didn't. I don't think I finished it, but I was like, oh, like how okay. long ago was this? Like, do you think they changed? I mean, I assume like from the 90s to now or whenever you tried it, they they probably like either changed the taste or the taste had the, the, the ingredients had to like change over time. I don't know. I really don't know at all. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I tried maybe like six months ago or less than that, three months ago. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No, it's probably still up to date. But like, yeah, between like when Diesel was advertising it and uh, and now it's probably at least undergone some like you know regulation changes because of you know the standards and practices and the uh, the updated and all that stuff and what's like you know healthy and safe and blah 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 blah. blah. Uses crap. Yeah, could be. We do not. We are not paid by Slim Jim, by the way. We are, we are, we are not like paid to tell talk about or we we're not paid to advertise slim gym that go on on your own behalf <laughs> yeah definitely definitely not and uh and yeah that's it <laughs> this section of the podcast contains spoilers for all seasons of avatar the last airbender and the legend of korra spoilers Enter at your peril. <laughs> please, you're next. We're in danger. Please, listen to me. Something terrible. Please, you're next. Here they are. They're already here. Come, you're next. I was talking about like you know the bounty hunters you know, oh that whole plot like that kind of turns out to be useless and kind of pointless yeah some spoilers there yeah yeah that's <laughs> some big spoilers i think it just kind of turns out yeah. pretty useless but whatever that's just my opinion <laughs> it's kind of like uh i remember there's something we talked about in the climax oh it was um whoever those other guys were was it han like ua's kind of uh like the oh yeah. Or whatever. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of a drop thread but um yeah